In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Family, I was up till 2 a.m. preparing our meditation today. Because you know what that means. It means that all those seminary professors that said a seven-minute homily, they're not going to like me. Let's first have two little prefaces. First, to remind you that the 54-day Rosary Novena for a peaceful election in our country is going to be starting on August 15th, the Feast of the Assumption, that Saturday. We'll have a, a bulletin insert for it, but if you, surely you all pretty much know by now the 54-day Rosary Novenas that Father Heilman down in Madison began. Uh, he's just a, a superstar in our church in our day. And so, such a leader, so needed amidst the chaos going down all around us how blessed by God he is, how glorious it is that he's responded to the grace to, to promote such things as his 54-day rosary novena for a peaceful election in our country. Because it's not peaceful now, and there's not something immediately at stake. Let's pray now. The second thing is, is yes, we're short message out of the gospel. Yes, we are called to forgive seven times 70, like Jesus said. But remember what, what preceded the forgiveness of the servants in the gospel. Humble begging before the Lord, before the master, forgive me, give me more time, forgive me. That preceded the forgiveness. The We can forgive till the cows come home, but that doesn't mean that the person stands justified in the eyes of God. The person must repent himself. The forgiveness we give accrues to our benefit because we're doing what our Lord told us to do, but there still has to be repentance on the part of the sinner. Well, dear family, on to our meditation. Some dear friends of mine from Wisconsin Rapids came to visit Tuesday, and they had not yet seen that movie of such profound valor entitled The Last Full Measure. We talked about it once before. You will recall that it regards an Air Force PJ, a pararescue jumper named William Hart Pitsenbarger. I didn't even know this. Uh, Pitsenbarger had, had already completed more than 250 missions I mean, that's since, I mean, this is in 1966. The war had just begun. He had already been out on 250 missions as a pararescue jumper, meaning it was like an EMT that would go in a helicopter, go down into the place where people were being shot, killed. He'd already completed more than 250 missions, including one in, one in which he hung from the helicopter's cable to rescue a wounded South Vietnamese soldier from a burning minefield. That action earned him the Airmen's Medal and the Republic of Vietnam's Medal of Military Merit and Gallantry Cross with Bronze Palm. Well, on April 11, 1966, Pittenberger volunteered on his day off, you remember this, to go to the aid. Now, he was an airman. He was an Air Force guy. He, he volunteered on his day off to go to the aid of Army troops caught in this bloody ambush during one of the bloodiest battles of the whole war, where the army unit suffered 80% casualties. And upon reaching the site of the ambush, Pittsburgh was lowered down through the trees to the ground. People were shooting up at him, where he attended to the wounded. 
before having them lifted by the helicopter up, up to safety. He refused. He refused the last flight out in order to stay and give medical help to army troops. And later that night, he was killed by a sniper. You heard me say he had, he had his medical bag in one hand when they found him the next morning. His parents were given his Congressional Medal of Honor, awarded at the Air Force Museum in Dayton, Ohio, located at the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. It's the largest Air Force Museum of any kind in the world. And just one month ago, on July 12th, I stopped at that museum, specifically to track down his memorial display there, including many of his original medals. Why? Why would I do that? But a family, I've kind of told you before that. Well, I've studied war since 1972, since eighth grade. I've seen its ravages, studied the ravages in, in the Crimea and Verdun and Ypres and in Gallipoli and Bataan and Normandy and countless, countless other sites. And though I'd seen this movie before, when watching it again, I was moved to my soul by the valor of the hero who gave his life that others might live. That is the motto of the PJs. But a family is Catholic, surely we all are moved to honor and praise such exemplars of courage and sacrifice. Jesus himself said, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. In the secular world, we call them heroes. As an aside, dear family, I should be speaking for all Catholics, all Catholics who actually do believe in God, the Father, who sent his only son into the world, that the world might be saved, that others might live, and who practiced what he preached and gave his life for his friends. Family, I should be speaking for all Catholics when I say, the next time any parent thinks it's a good idea to pay cash money to buy some sports jersey with some guy's name on the back, do a reality check and remember who the real heroes are. Because buying some jersey with some guy's name on the back is a form of idolatry at worst and secular pagan indoctrination at best. How about if instead, buy your kid a jersey with the name of a real hero on back, like Pitsenberger? How formation, how much formation would that give to the child about what true heroism and true love really is? Well, back to the meditation, the Catholic Church has its own set of genuine heroes. We call them saints and martyrs. 
You're honoring a couple today, a Pope and St. Hippolytus. For, for the record, as, as moved about as I am to honor heroes, saints, and martyrs, is as moved as I am to despise and hold in contempt cowards, wimps, and pansies outside the church and wimps and pansies inside the church, both laity and clergy alike. As another aside, the next time you hear any, yet again, some other pathetic administrator say someone of college age needs Crayolas and a safe space. Just remember, Pitzenberg was just 21 years old. And then hold that pathetic administrator and false shepherd in the complete contempt he or she richly deserves. Which brings us to the next focus on heroes, saints, and martyrs. The Cristeros of Mexico in the 1920s. Here's the backstory that brought about that season of heroes, saints, and martyrs. Backstory to which credit must be given to Father James Jackson, FSSP, from whom I got some of this. The foundation for the martyrdom of the Cristeros. 67 years before, in 1858, low-information Mexicans voted in Benito Juarez to the first of five terms as president of Mexico. One of the first things he did as president was to confiscate the Catholic Church of San Francisco and turn it into a Masonic lodge. And then he began a systematic persecution of the Catholic Church, which actually does continue to this very day. His attitude was the spawn of what is called the Enlightenment, the beginning of an age where man, a mere mortal, somehow became enlightened to the point where the mystery of Almighty God was replaced with human science. Listen, every time you hear somebody today in our day and age mouth off about science, 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 remember, he's godless. Where's God in all this? What does God have to say? This reliance upon human science is madness and godless and diabolical. Ultimately, that meant that there this reliance upon science, it meant that there would be a dim diminution of authority in the church and the family and a concomitant aggrandizement of authority in the states. In simple terms, unlike the witness of St. John the Baptist, who said he must decrease so that Jesus would increase the Enlightenment pagans and their spawn, like Juarez, took the opposite approach. They must increase while Jesus decreases. We see the greatest example of, the greatest representation of, not just the decrease, but the complete removal of Almighty God and the elevation of the state in socialism, also known as communism, also known as progressivism. Here's the easiest and clearest way I taught the evil and stupidity of socialism to mere high schoolers who once presented with this example got it. They got it that socialism was evil. I had a stack of test papers all graded. Some achieved the grade of A for their natural talents and the efforts they made to learn. 
while others actually did receive an F, a failing grade. Yes, dear family, in the Catholic world of the real Jesus, not, no one automatically gets the participation trophy. You have to earn your A. So I said to the students, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take all the A grades. I'm going to take away 20 points and lower their grades to a C. And then I'm going to take those 20 points and I'm going to give them to those who failed and raise their grades to a C. So everyone gets a C. That's fair after all. God loves us all. He doesn't want anyone to fail. So the least the A students could do is share their talents and their hard work with the F students. What a nice thing for you A students to do, to give up some of your points so that others do not fail. Well, the high, the high schoolers got it immediately. Oh, no, he responded, Father, you can't do that. That's not right. But why not? Generally speaking, the better students had been given greater gifts from God, greater intellectual talents. And we know God wants us to share our talents with others, so what's wrong with that? And as for those who worked harder, that's just an example of white privilege. Those kids who worked harder probably were privileged to come from a stable family, mother, father, children. They were privileged to not have to worry about where their next meal was coming from. So, of course, they could. They were encouraged by their family, and they had the environment where they could study harder they, to achieve the better grade. So they had opportunities to study and learn. They were encouraged to learn by their white privilege. So for both economic and social reasons, these kids were privileged. So it only is fair to recognize their privilege and share it with those who were less privileged. Oh, no, Father. They responded, Father, you can't do that. That's not right. You see, dear family, the kids got it. It is not right for me, sitting in authority, to arbitrarily take from someone who actually has greater talents. That's the Russian error of everyone gets a trophy. It is not right for me, sitting in authority, to take from someone who has worked harder. That's the Russian error of redistribution of wealth. The kids got it. In contrast, it takes a special kind of stupid for rioters, looters, burners, and shooters to justify $60 million worth of damage in Chicago by saying they had a right to do it. Because that's just reparations after all. And what the hey? Insurance covers it anyway. By the way, I found out recently, because I, I used to think, well, perhaps these people who were victimized by these rioters, looters, burners, and shooters, at least they could at least economically sort of recover. Oh, Many insurance policies, if not all of them, do not cover rioters, looters, burners, and shooters. So when they wiped out these innocent business owners, these small business owners, they literally, they wiped them out. Vile conduct on the part of the rioters, looters, burners, and shooters. Well, now back to 1858, because see what we're seeing is what... We're already seeing in 1858. There's no, you got to know your history. There's no excuse for not knowing our history. Back to 1858 and Benito Juarez and his first of 
five terms as president of Mexico, he confiscated that Catholic church and he turned it into a Masonic lodge. But a family, whatever else might be said, it must be said that that church was built and maintained by money that people had given to God. No civil authority has any right ever to take from God that which the people gave to God. That's socialism for you. Ultimately, they have not believed in God since the Enlightenment. As another side, King Henry VIII has an eternity in hell to contemplate his wicked, debauched, and murderous life. And the truth about it not being a good idea to confiscate God's property, the entire Catholic Church in England, and murder God's priests. Not a good idea, Henry VIII. How's that working for you now? Have I told you? I understand when Queen Elizabeth first met Pope St. John Paul II, she says, well, you know, I'm the head of a church too. Oh. Back to socialism, belief or no belief, we surely must be dumbfounded that the stupid socialists think they have a right or any right whatsoever to take what clearly is not theirs. You can't take the Catholic Church. I can't take points away from A students. But your family, it is what it is, and the Russian era is alive and well, the one we were warned about by Our Lady of Fatima. It's alive and well in every socialist government program instituted since the Enlightenment. And now watch, for the record, Juarez was a Freemason. In fact, for about the past 200 years now, Mexico has been in the death grip of the Freemasons. Now, Juarez was a piker compared to the persecution of the Catholic Church since, compared to Venustiano Carranza, who in 1915 ordered that 160 of the best Catholic priests in Mexico be rounded up, arrested, and then shot. This is horrifying to people all over the world. Complaints came in from all over the world, including Catholics who complained to then U.S. President Woodrow Wilson. Did he do anything? Wasn't even bothered, because Woodrow Wilson was a 33-degree Mason. Wilson's envoy to Mexico at the time was John Lind. When John Lind heard about the murders of these priests, he wrote to Wilson, quote, great news. The more priests they kill in Mexico, the happier I shall be. John Lind also was a 33-degree Mason. In 1924, President Plutarco Callas, I've talked about him before, formed his own patriotic church funded the construction of 200 Protestant churches, not because he was a Protestant, he just wanted to weaken the Catholic Church. He said further, now there must be a psychological revolution. We must penetrate and take hold of the minds of the children and of the youth because they must belong to the revolution. Remember, Jesus said it. We just had it in the gospel this in the past week. I said, you lead those children to sin. Woe to you. To affect all this, he closed all Catholic schools, all private schools, all homeschooling. Only government schools remained open with mandatory atheistic indoctrination. And your family, those with ears ought to hear. We, 
You know, we heard in the first reading today, they've got ears and they don't hear. They got eyes and they don't see. Those with ears ought to hear. Those with eyes ought to see. This is exactly what has been going on in our government schools since 1963. It is de facto the Russian error, government indoctrination of children since. Under Calles, a public oath had to be taken, accepting all the decrees of the Mexican government. Do you, know, do you know what we say when we bring people into the church? They have to say, they have to confess in front of the church, here in church, they have to say, I believe everything that the Catholic Church has taught. They have to sign an oath of faith. Now, and Calles, a public oath had to be taken, accepting all the decrees of the Mexican government. And if anyone refused, he was either imprisoned or executed. If a priest wore the Roman collar, He'd receive a huge fine or five years imprisonment, if not just out and out arrested and shot. All churches, all monasteries, all convents were confiscated. The church could not own any property. No priest or bishop could administer a church. All religious orders were outlawed. If the school had a religious name, it was shut down. If it, if it had a religious statue, the statue was destroyed. This is Caius did. Caius would have been over the moon over what happened in about 1970 when they destroyed our churches, when they recovered our churches, when they took statues of the Blessed Mother, broke them up and threw them into dumpsters. Caius would have been over the moon. In many instances, if a Mexican Catholic just made the sign of the cross, we've done it twice today. We shot on sight. Why did Plutarco Caius do all this? He was a 33 degree, 33rd degree Freemason. Watch what comes next. All masses ceased. All sacraments were forbidden. Mexico went from having 5,000 priests to 334 in just two years. An example of the persecution, one priest was taken outside the church and laughing soldiers chopped off his hands. And there were so many Catholics who did nothing, nothing, nothing about it. But some had courage. So we began our meditation, courage, valor. Some had courage, some had real zeal, some had valor, some stood up against the enemy. Old men continued to say the forbidden, adios, go with God. And now he said, adios, like goodbye. No. Adios, go with God. Old women continued to pray the rosary in public. God help me. I don't care how bad it is. If you go after the old woman praying the rosary in public, you're going you're, you're gonna to bring down something on your head. And the Cristeros took up arms to fight back against the diabolical Masons. Listen, you really should watch that movie if you haven't for greater glory. The Masons in the U.S. government sold the Mexican government a whole bunch of weapons like Gatling guns to shoot the Cristeros, to kill the Cristeros in exchange for an extension of the oil leases. It's right there in the movie. You can see it. It's, they're dead now, the people that sold those weapons to kill the Catholics. How's that working for them? Many Cristeros were martyred for defending the faith. You all know Blessed Miguel Pro, the priest who faced the firing squad, rosary in hand, arms outstretched, crying out, Viva Cristo Rey. And you all saw on the bulletin, page five, a 14-year-old St. Jose Luis Sanchez del Rio, where soldiers laid the skin from his feet, made him walk to the cemetery, gave him one last chance to renounce his faith and live. 
And his response was shouting, Viva Cristo Rey, whereupon the Federalists murdered him. So say it again. Next time you hear any pathetic administrator say that someone of college age needs Crayolas in a safe space, just remember Pitzenberger, who was just 21 years old, and remember. Remember St. Jose Luis Sanchez del Rio, who was only 14. Remember the great saint we invoke at the end of every mass, St. Tarsisius, a young boy murdered for defending the Holy Eucharist. Remember them and then hold that pathetic administrator and pathetic excuse, that false shepherd in complete contempt that he or she so richly deserves. Your family, A students of Catholicism, have ears to hear and eyes to see and know socialism, communism, Freemasonry at work when we see it. Unfortunately, there are too many C and D students or other failures in the laity and sadly in the clergy. We cannot hear, who cannot hear, who cannot see, and thus acquiesce to the, the Plutarchocaiuses of our day both the Plutarcho Caiuses in our government, and get this straight, dear family, the Plutarcho Caiuses in our church. The Russian air is alive and well outside the church, and it is alive and well inside the church, and we saw it when we saw the fiat of scientists enforced, not by federalists, not with real bullets, not through bludgeoning and bloodshed. No, it didn't even take that, did it? No. We saw the fiats of scientists enforced by diabolical purveyors of a fear, the fear-demic, and acquiesced to by cowards in the church, such that nobody really complained. A few did. Most did not complain that a 1,000 people could pack into Walmart seven days a week, but entire dioceses canceled every holy mass to the public and denied the faithful the sacraments. It didn't take bullets. Good God, dear family, do we not see what has just happened over the last five months? Plutarcho Caius is alive and well in the Catholic Church. Can we not use the brains God gave us to understand we cannot sanitize the universe? We cannot eliminate the curve. The curve was flattened. So now every godless diabolical government order does nothing but destroy the economic means by which people may live. And have so destroyed the manner in which we do live, the way we are in communion with each other, that the CDC itself now admits that suicides exceed COVID deaths. And while most cannot recognize it when they see it, dear family, when a governor in a health department relies upon, as I said, I think it was yesterday or the day before, the University of Washington's Institute for Health Metrics and Education to order 5,822,000 badgers to wear communist face masks, allegedly to save less than 1%, less than 1% of all badgers who will die this year anyway. And we come to know, not that we could not have guessed, 
that Bill Gates, the spawn of the head of a Planned Parenthood, gave $291, $291 million to that same institute for health metrics and education. Dear family, there it is. So where, dear family, are our heroes? Where are our saints and martyrs? Where are those who stand up? Where are those who will stand up and say, enough is enough? Well, in the midst of all the madness and chaos all around us, gathering steam as it barrels down the hill, may Almighty God give us the knowledge and the wisdom and the courage to be a fraction as brave as William H. Pitzenberger, PJ, as St. Tarsisius, defender of the Holy Eucharist, as Blessed Miguel Pro, priest and martyr, as 14-year-old St. Jose Luis Sanchez del Rio, so that we, in our own time and place, will look the Freemasons and the socialists in the eye and cry out in our own way, Viva Cristo Rey. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.